I quickly tweeted as soon as the kick boom cack went down. I was like, SWV one. And they were like, Carrie, and I got all this hate. <laughs> this is not, this ain't no competition. It's a great night for all these. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yes, it's a great night. These women are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they won. And nah. then, then you know they won, but you don't have to say it. Did, who won? I thought it was a tie. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did. I did. I disagree. S double U to the V. S double U to the V. S W V one. I mean, that is only because growing up, that was I was Coco. Like you can tell me, you cannot tell Lily Coco Taj. That was my crew. We were best friends. But anyway, Eddie George is on this edition of Naked. Got to pay some bills. Back in a moment. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion, a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment, connected with. In a world with vulnerable, considered weak, come and remove the veil from entertainment's elite. It's the difference between what is real and what the public sees. So here's your favorite celebrities behind the scenes. It's refreshing, authentic, the whole story specific. Life altering events to shape the person that you hear. We got a champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. It's the greatest in sports and entertainment connected with every champion and carry champions to be a champion. A champion and carry champion. Hey girl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with. I have to share a thought. A thought that has been on my heart for a very long time. I'm guilty of it. I know, I believe some of my friends who are quote unquote successful can also be guilty of this as well. When you attain a certain measure of success, when you have a platform, sometimes if you are a minority, specifically black, you forget where you came from. You forget to reach back. You forget that we too are just as valid as a culture, as a community. And oftentimes when you find yourself being the only one in a room or one of a few, you cater to the wrong audience. Translation, you start making money and you be like, oh, I don't do it with them black folks. You want approval from white folks. I've heard it all the time. It's been said, critics will say that uh, of black people who make it. You guys really care about what the white person thinks more so than what the community thinks. And I've seen that happen. Maybe I've been guilty of it. Who knows? I'm not, that's not what I'm here to talk about. What I am here to talk about is what I would like to call 
And I've referred to this before as that racial renaissance, but there has been this, this revisit, this, this uh, important, what I think is important, this important way to address our communities, more specifically our colleges, our HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. Deion Sanders, not long ago, and you read about this, Hall of Famer Deion Sanders, y'all know who he is. He became the coach at Jackson State, an HBCU football coach. And I remember when the deal was done, I thought, interesting, he's leaving the TV game, the NFL Network, to go and become a football coach. And not only become a football coach, but he became a football coach, a head football coach at an HBCU. Two things. One, I don't think that a big time white university or a, a, a quote unquote, you know, university that is uh, prestigious, if you will, would have hired him. That's just my take. I could be completely wrong, but I don't believe they would have. And if they would have, they don't know if they would have let him be a head coach. I don't see too many, even if you're a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer, depending, especially in Dion's case, getting those opportunities because he's flash. You know how Dion moves. You know how he is. Like he's a lot of flash. So it probably would be scary to them and more importantly, the boosters and alumni <laughs> to have Dion Sanders as the head coach at UCLA. I'll take my school, right? I'm just going to take my school for instance. So with that being said, prime time goes and takes this gig and I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. I love what you are doing. You're going to an HBCU. You're going to give back and, 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 and be a leader and, and show these babies, these young men, teach them how to be men. To me, that was unheard of. To me, that was special. To me, that sent a message that I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt like, okay, pay attention to us. Give some love to the HBCU. I'm here for it. Right? Right? I mean, look, he's a Hall of Fame cornerback. If, tell him, don't tell me he's not one of the best, if not the best. Everyone will tell you that he is. So he takes this job. I'm excited about it. Look, that's all I can say. I, I, I don't know what will happen. I know there may have been some hiccups and some bumps in the road early on. I'm not judging him because it happens to any head coach. But then soon thereafter, Edward Nathan George Jr. Y'all know him as Eddie George. I mean, he is, he's a great. I was surprised to find out he wasn't a Hall of Famer. But he's an NFL great, running back. And now head coach where? Where is he a head coach at? Another HBCU. And I'm all like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. We give him back. We're giving back in a big way. Eddie George is the head coach at Tennessee State. That's a, to me, that's a huge deal. Because I said at the very beginning, oftentimes when you make it to that level, though, those guys are rich. They are successful. They are adored. They are loved. They change the game in their own rights. And instead of going to coach elsewhere, right, UCLA, USC, I'll just name some places. Not that they were offered the positions, but they specifically chose HBCUs. And that says a lot. It says that why not? Why not make our ice just as cold as everybody else's? And what I mean by that is why not take all of our talent instead of giving it away to these universities that don't understand where we came from or who we are, why not go back to where we began, where we, where we are inspiring other kids? 
If we all decided right now in this moment, myself included, that we were only going to spend all of our black dollars in the black community on at black businesses, it'd be over. O-V-A, over. And people talk about it often. Um, I've heard different theories. I know there's a few black owned banks. I, I know all about it, but it has yet to have follow through in a way that is impactful. And I believe that what Deion Sanders and Eddie George are doing is impactful. And I am impressed. So I say that because it's a wake up call for me personally. Yes, I give back. Yes, I have my foundation that is specifically dedicated to brown girls who dream. I am making sure I am holding the door open for other young ladies who look just like me, who did not have the same resources that I now currently have because I didn't have it when I was young. It is a mentorship program where I say, guess what? You're just as good. You deserve the same opportunities. You deserve the same hookup that they, whoever they may be, give their children, give their friends, give their homies. A lot of the times in the black culture, we don't want to hook our folks up because we're afraid of what it looks like. It looks like a hookup. And that's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with a hookup. They do it, whoever they may be, insert they. We see it in so many other cultures. I see it in Jewish cultures. I see it in Latin cultures. I see it in the white community. They take care of their own. It's time for us to do the same. Unapologetically. Do not worry about what anybody else says to you. Do not worry about what it looks like. It looks like a hookup because not only is it a hookup, they deserve it. I deserve it. I need a hookup. I use this example often of my really good friend, Bozema St. John. And I'll wrap with this. Get to the podcast because I'm preaching. When she was the CBO, the chief brand officer of Uber, she specifically said, I want to give you a national campaign, television commercial campaign. And we're going to call it Rolling with the Champion. And you're going to be everywhere. And we're going to have you talking to different athletes while you drive them around and get you certified as an Uber driver. Legit Uber driver, which I was, certified, riding people around. I am impressed. I think you deserve it. I'm calling it Rolling with the Champion. I am putting you in the car with all the greats because you have the connections and you're going to do amazing things. Not only did she hook me up with that commercial, she paid me the most. We had the best athletes in the car. She made sure that one, one, I got paid more than them. Two, my name was in the credits because they were trying to take my name out of the credits. Three, she made sure that I was the face. And at the time, the company I was working with was like, well, why Carrie? Isn't there someone else a little more high profile at this company you want to work with? And you know they didn't look like me. She said, no, I want Carrie because Carrie can do it. This was her giving me a hookup, not only a hookup because it wasn't deserved, it was a hookup because it wasn't expected and no one wanted to see it. And by no one, I mean them, they, those. Why not give back to our community? Why not hook our community up unapologetically? Why not make sure our friends make just as much money as they make sure their friends make money? I'm preaching. I'm pounding on the paper. You heard that? So in this edition of Naked, I talked to Eddie George about what it looks like from the outside looking in, about a trend that I, in fact, love. I love what I see. I love what, I, what I'm hearing. I love that he's like, yeah, okay, I'm going to take my name, 
put it on the line and my reputation, put it on the line and be the head coach of this HBCU that nobody was looking for. But now that I'm here, we might get the big TV deals. We might get the promotions. We might get the endorsements because I'm Eddie George. Thank you. Ooh, I'm excited. But as we do it naked, we begin with who is Eddie George? What makes Eddie George Eddie George? He seems to be someone who's very careful, and I've known him for a while, off camera that is, after he played. I met chapter two or three of Eddie George, not chapter one. And so I ask him, I go, you seem meticulous. You seem methodical, organized. And he said, well, I have a saying, which I didn't hear. I didn't know this saying. You may know this. Measure twice, cut once. I, I learned the hard way. Um, I never, I, I learned, I rushed into certain things um, without doing my homework or due diligence. And I just was like a knee jerk reaction. And it turned out, you know, I got my ass kicked. You learn by getting your ass kicked. I often ask athletes, especially on this podcast, when I get an opportunity to meet them, when did they know they were special? When did they know they were different? And what I mean by that is when you have a talent, especially in this world today, people treat you differently. And I've been around athletes a very long time. And some of them act as if they are special. And that is because they are. And that's also because they've been treated differently for a very long time. Even if we're talking about AAU. But usually this talent develops early on, five, four, seven, ten 10 years old. You are a child and you are different and you are set apart and you get different privileges. It could be you don't have to go to class. It could be somebody's doing your homework. It could be the girls or the boys like you more. It could be any of those things, but you know you are set apart. Here's what's interesting about Eddie George. Although he knew he was set apart and he had talent, he said it never came easy. I knew that when I was five, six years old. My father would take me to the high school games around Philly, the suburban area, Upper Dublin, Wissahickon, Abington, and and just the smell of the popcorn, the Friday night lights, the clacking of the cleats, uh, insects dancing off the off the lights. I mean, that whole experience. I knew then that that's what I wanted to do. I knew then that's that's what I'm going after that. I want to be a running back. I want my father to talk about me the same way he talks about Jim Brown, O.J. Simpson, all the great running backs. That's when I knew. And I was determined to do that. Talent is never enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, you know that you have an athletic, you have an athletic ability, you can do certain things. Uh, but I realized, again, it goes back to me watching other people that it, it takes more than just talent. Talent can get you there, but to be great, to um, to do something that nobody's ever done, takes more than that. It takes patience. It takes um, um, hard work. It takes crack character. It takes integrity. It takes all of these things to really break through that. Talent gets you there, but to be great and to have sustainability takes more than that. So. Um, Again, I, I grew up uh, in Philadelphia. I wasn't highly recruited. 
You know, uh, I had a passion, a desire to play at a major university. Uh, like I said, I went to Fork Union Military Academy my senior year, Kerry. I rushed for 1,300 yards, 22 touchdowns, right? All state. And at the end of my senior year, I had zero offers. I had a one, I had one offer from Edinburgh. It was a partial offer. And I said to myself, wow, you know, I'm, I'm better than that. I remember my mom telling me, she said, Eddie, maybe this is a gift from God. You know, you can be a big fish in a small pond. But I was like, mom, I'm a great white. I belong in the ocean. Eddie's story is a bit interesting in the sense that, and I'm sure, I'm sure many people who have made it to the league and all the professional leagues have this same chip on their shoulder when they are somewhat overlooked. And he talks about how in high school nobody really was interested. And he was like, I was, I was this, I was everything. And you heard him. I'm, I'm, I may go to a smaller school. That's what his father was saying. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I deserve more. He knew he deserved more, but was he ready for more? He gets to this place that, I mean, listen. Y'all get on my nerves. Anybody who went to OH, you come in, I O, y'all all get on my nerves. I say that for my producer because she was in love with Eddie George on this episode because she went to school there. I was like, don't nobody care, Triple. I'm such a hater. <laughs> but when he makes it to OHIO, the Ohio State University, where he majored in landscape architect and played, obviously, for the Buckeyes, he. He knew as a freshman running back that, you know, I, I feel special. People like me. He scored three touchdowns and a win over Syracuse University. However, he was getting a little too cocky, and he shares a story of how he mentally just wasn't ready for the bigs. Came in as a wide-eyed freshman, hungry for success, hungry to show sort of coaches what I can do. Going into a talented backfield back then, it was uh, Robert Smith, Raymond Harris, Butler Benote, Jeff Cothran, uh, William Houston, uh, Carlos Snow just left. So the, the backfield at Ohio State is always packed and talented. And I wanted to make a splash. I wanted to come in there and let, put some respect on my name. You're going to know who I am. You know, they gave me this number. They gave me number 38. <laughs> when I first walked the door, and I'm like, who? Uh, I'm like, nah. Put some respect on my name. So I um, I worked I worked my ass off to training camp, uh, summer conditioning, and I found my way, I made my way uh, to be the starting um, running back at the goal line running back. And I um, had great success early on in the season. Like you talked about, scored three touchdowns on, on national television a game of the week against Syracuse at, at the Carrier Dome. And uh, that's when it was touchdown, Eddie. I get back to campus. I went from being a funny-looking freshman to being fine overnight. Uh, only two weeks later after that, I fumbled twice against Illinois, and it destroyed my confidence. And it, uh, it, it really put me in the doghouse with the coaching staff. They said, hey, we got this young guy, a freshman, um, you know, we'll see what we'll see later on down the line if he comes out of this or not. So between that time of my freshman year and my junior year, that time frame is where I won the Heisman because I was down and out. I was discouraged. I thought about leaving. I thought about 
all the things my mom, my mom told me about maybe you were better off going to be a, a big fish in a small pond. All of the other coaches saying, oh, you'll never play at Ohio State. That, that told me all this stuff was playing over my head and it had an effect on me. So my attitude was poor. My effort was poor. And, and my, my focus was on other things outside of saying, hey, I can control what happens there moving forward. So um, I thought about transferring, but something within my spirit said, if you leave, you're going to have to compete and your demons are going to follow you. So why not be the face-to-face to deal with it right now? And I attacked it. I began to, to do what I always do, dig in, dig my screw in, and, and be a blue-collar worker and work my ass off. And I did just that. And that's really honest. If I was, Eddie, in that position where I came in and I was a bomb and then I wasn't getting on love and I was feeling really low because this game is real mental, a lot of it is mental, I probably would have left as well. I would have considered leaving. I don't think I would have left. And that's why I respect him because he didn't. But he has a very interesting way of thinking about it. His ego, yes, involved. And you have to have ego in this business, in any business for that matter. You have to believe in yourself because no one else would. And he he explains in a very funny way about how he knew he had to be the guy and he wanted to be the guy, which ultimately led to a Heisman Trophy his senior year. My my junior year was interesting. Um, I had I I had some fanfare. I I had some notoriety. Um, you were starting though your junior year, no? Oh yeah, I was starting. Oh, I was still yeah. the guy, but I wasn't the guy guy. Oh. You know, it didn't it didn't really come into fruition into okay, my senior wait. year. Here's a question: What is the guy versus the guy guy? Well, Who's the, the guy? guy. I, uh-huh. I think I think you know the answer to this. Question. No, I don't. I, I, I Do you, know. But but for the sake of the <laughs> podcast, I'll go on and explain it. But you you know the difference between a guy and the guy guy. You know, Jay-Z is the guy guy, you know, I was confident in who I was. I could hold my space. Um, I had experience. Um, I just kind of, if everything just slowed down for me in every aspect of my life, Um, again, locked in and focused on what I wanted to do, what I wanted to accomplish, the type of team that, uh, that I wanted to help um, Ohio State be at that time. So all came to, to fruition, but to answer your question, after I won the Heisman, um, my, my world just opened up, you know, from seeing meeting celebrities to um, politicians to businessmen to beautiful women. I mean, it was it was all it was all there. And uh, and it's intoxicating. It really is. It can really overwhelm me. And to go from actually having nothing into being able to drive Range Rovers and fly to Cancun and go to LA for a couple of weeks and shoot commercials and oh go to Toronto for a golf tournament and you're like oh this and go to the best restaurants and the best food and be treated VIP that that's an intoxicating thing and um, but it made me it made me work harder for one I never wanted to get it twisted in terms of you know that's not my goal. My goal is not to just, just to be Hollywood or, or um, just to enjoy the, you know, all the glitter that's, that comes with it. It was understanding that 
in order for me to have to be great. My all my goal was to be the greatest to ever play. Period. When you're the guy guy, and if I had Jay-Z on, I'd ask him this too. Um, when you are the guy guy and you have the money and you have the girls, um, what would you, what was your weakness? What do you consider like, God, I, I, I can still handle all my business, but you know, this is, this is when shit gets real and I can't fight it. Is it the, is it the attention? Is it the girls? Is it the money? Um, is it the fans? Like, what was your weakness during that period when you were at the guy when you're at the guy guy height stage? It was definitely it was it was women, but out of doubt. Um, for me, it was it was definitely women. It, the attention, eh, you know. But my thing was I enjoyed conversation. I enjoyed getting to know uh, women. I enjoyed getting into um, getting into their minds. Um, and learning from all different aspects. And that, that was, that was definitely a weakness that I had for me. Um, I'm not a car guy, not a jewelry guy. Um, but I just enjoyed uh, getting to know people and I'll, and I'll just keep it like that. Look, I cannot blame Eddie for being honest. Ladies are always the weakness, especially for men. And and quite frankly, if I'm being honest with you, I, I know a lot of athletes. I can count on my hands how many I honestly believe don't have women as a weakness. I mean, my weakness is fellas. I love a cute date. I love some male attention. <clears throat> I digress. It's not about me. Eddie now leaves Ohio State and he enters the draft. He's the 14th overall pick in the 1996 NFL draft. Picked by the Oilers, now the Titans, as we well know, after being selected behind Jerome Bettis. Now, I love me, the bus. That's my, that's my dog. Um, shout out to the bus. But now I talk to Eddie about life in the NFL and what that looked like for him. And he's, again, very naked. Women are a problem. Fame is interesting. Money. Well, you know what money does. You know, you find yourself in various situations that can get out of control and you're 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 constantly trying to that when that dominates your thoughts on a daily basis, uh, the moment you wake up, it's like, who can I call? Or when the city I'm going to, oh, I'm going to L.A., I'm going to hit up, boom, boom, boom. Or Atlanta, same thing, la, 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 la. Uh, that can be a, a, a problem. That's when destruction can really seep in. And when you're on the field and things aren't going well, you go back to that vice of, well, I'm going to go back to what makes me feel good. You're thinking about that. So it becomes a distraction. So, um, yeah, I, I realized at some point in time I had to pull back and get clear in terms of, OK, this was fun, but it can't dominate my life. I've got to get serious. It, um, it gets old after a while is not cool um, and it can it will truly affect your entire being and what you're trying to accomplish in terms of what you want to do. Because there's so many th factors that things can happen. You can break somebody's heart. You can, you know, get somebody pregnant unannounced, you know, all of those things can, can happen. And, you know, it, it can really destroy, you know, everything you're trying to do and, and among other people. So um, I've realized that, 
and I pulled back on a lot of those things. It had to get self-control. And that's the number one things that one number one thing that, that most guys in this business, when they come into it, is they lack that self-control and they get caught up into the fast life and the women and the jewelry. And they believe that this is who they are. And when you're stripped of that, it can be a, a devastating thing. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. When the NBA championship is on the line, every pass, every shot, and every dribble is immediately, undeniably consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, real blood, and real tears. Trust me, I know what it takes to bring home a championship ring. The regular season is tough, but these games are a completely different level. Now is the time when legacies are made. The best team will bring home the Larry O'Brien Trophy and add their name to basketball history. Will we see a battle between marquee franchises or will we see a new champion crowned? Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year? their year these are the moments of unscripted pure entertainment that only happen on the hardwood you've waited all season for this it's time to take it to the next level don't miss one minute of the action tune into the nba playoffs on espn and abc seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money state farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities they're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Champion and carry champions to be a champion, a champion and carry champion.
Earl, you did it. Got a champion and carry champion and carry champion. Greatest, greatest in sports and entertainment connected with me. For all that said and done, I, I'm not going to take away what Eddie was able to accomplish. I mean, he he was amazing as a running back, and people know that. Eddie is the only the second NFL running back to rush for 10,000 yards while never missing a start, joining only Jim Brown, only Walter Payton, who had 170 starts, more consecutive regular season games than Eddie George's 130. So that's a that's a huge deal. I mean, he was the man and he showed up in every way. Four-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, Heisman Trophy, as we mentioned, in college. Eddie did his work. But as he gets ready to leave the league, uh, and this is still of great debate, he doesn't leave the way in which he wants to. And I understand. You want to go out on top. It doesn't happen for everyone. When I when I stopped playing, it was tough to to get a good quality of sleep because your your stomach is full of butterflies because anxiety just takes over. You're tossing and turning, not knowing what the next day is going to bring. Because you because as a football player, you're used to routine. You're used to waking up at six, going to practice from six to, to five. You're in meetings all day. You have lunch. You you do, everything is bang 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 bang, and all through Monday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all the way back through again. Everything is structured. When that structure is gone, you're like, hmm, what? You got my wife. She's got the, the baby. She's not paying attention to me. You know what? Let me let me go down to Nikki's real quick, get a drink or, you know, watch the game. You know, there, there, there'll be some dancers around, but I'm not going to pay attention to it. And then lo and behold, you sucked in and you're paying. It. And then it goes off the rails. You know what I mean? So. That's what I mean by destructive behaviors. And then you're neglecting your family. You're neglecting um, um, your purpose in life because you're trying to fill a void that that you missed. You missed the the roar of a crowd. You missed the camaraderie in the, the locker room. You missed the jokes. You miss the ability to go to the mall and buy whatever you want to buy. You know, I mean, all of that. Um, is gone and and for me it was very it was it was heavy it um it was it felt like i was wandering in a dark tight place um and it was very scary because you know when you're in that that place thoughts go through your mind like well what am who am i you know one and, and what is my purpose in life I know I just wasn't born just to be a football player and die. Now I'm gonna I'm going to push forward in through my education. I'm gonna push forward through uh, the arts. I'm gonna push forward through uh, entrepreneurship. All of these things to find my purpose, and that's that's what I've tried to do. And it really, honestly, comes down to my relationship with God. I mean, that's that's without having God in my life. Uh, I would not be where I am. I would not be in this position that I'm in because if I tried to create this for myself, there's no way. This is the perfect storm in terms of Tennessee State, who I am, where I am in my life, and right now what I have to give. I couldn't have done it. So um, I, I owe it to a higher power for sure. So life after football is always so hard. Life after sports, 
professional sports for any athlete is always hard because you always try to figure out what you want to do. And Eddie has done everything. And that to me requires a level of fearlessness. Um, Actor on Broadway. I would feel as if he would be afraid to do that because does that represent what a football player does? He didn't mind. He's done TV as a broadcaster, Uh, entrepreneur. He has campaigned for um, certain people within his community, activists in the community. And now he has an opportunity to be a head football coach for the Tennessee State football team. And so I ask him, think of all the accomplishments that you have and all the opportunities and quite frankly, the talent that you still have. You decide to be a head coach at an HBCU. Why is that? Six months ago, Carrie, I was not thinking about coaching at all. It was not on my to-do list. It's not on my vision board. It's not, it was like, hey, let me, you know, this is something I'm interested in doing. I'm focused, I was focused on my entertainment career, on um, my entrepreneurial career, and being an educator and just raising my boys and having a family and playing golf every day. How it all came to fruition was the, the president of the university, President Linda Glover, and uh, Mickey Allen. And um, they were like, hey, we want to run this idea by you. And they're like, well, we want to uh, see if you'd be interested in being the head coach of Tennessee State football. I'm like, what? You do understand, one, I've never been the coach. Two, that's not what I do now. I'm in television. I'm doing wealth management. I'm playing golf every day. This is, this ain't for me. And I pushed it away. Like, listen, thank you, but no, thank you. I can help you find a candidate. I know plenty of qualified black coaches that would love this opportunity because if I do it, I'm going to be fully immersed into this and I got too many other things going on. So I go home and it's kind of in my mind. I go home that night and I said, I talked to my wife. I said, Taj, listen to this ridiculous ass idea. She says, um, she says, what's so ridiculous about it? I'm like, I don't have time. I said, you can't coach part-time. That is a full-time commitment. I, I don't have time. And I see how hard those guys work. They work 12-hour days and all this. I'm not trying to do that. And she says, well, why not? You know, you would be an amazing coach. And I kind of gave some thought. And I'm doing my pros and cons. And there was more pros to this than there was cons. Because coaching... Is, is, is a calling. It's not something that, for me, it's not something that, hey, I'm going to volunteer to do this. It is a true calling. So I sat back and I prayed on it and I meditated on it and really did a, a deep dive into my spirit in terms of, is this something that God wants me to do? And the answer was yes. To me, that's huge. I mentioned this early on, the significance of him deciding to be a head football coach at an HBCU. And I'm not saying he couldn't have got an opportunity elsewhere, but he has an opportunity to coach at an HBCU, be the head football coach, to take his likeness, to take his name, to take all of the connections that he has and pour it into this to this team, into this community and give back to a community that loves him and adores him and appreciates what he's doing. It is a big deal. I I liken it, and I may be wrong, I liken it to if you had an opportunity 
to go work for BET or CNN, what would you do? And guess what? No answer is wrong. It also depends on where you are in your career. But I appreciate what Eddie, and I mentioned this earlier, what Dion is doing. I mean, let's start the trend. Let's make it cool. Let's keep our talent in the community. Come find us. We know where you are. Come find us. Eddie explains. I guess I understand it. Um, I'd never highlighted that, though. I never really thought of it. Hey, I'm at this HBCU and I'm not under someone else that doesn't know more than me. Um, I look at it as a great opportunity to bring the resources, to bring the attention, to bring the uh, hopefully the money um, to this program where it's sustainable. I just want to I want to leave this place better than when I got it. You know, when I when I hand the torch to somebody else how many years down the line that is sustainable. It's a viable business model. It, um, it's, it's, it's running. I mean, cause this, this has the potential to be an exceptional program. And the, the vision for this program is to take it to the next level in terms of FBS and so forth and to compete with the upper echelon schools, um, not just ac- athletically, but academically. Um, so all boats rise with this move. You know, the eyes of any institution is through the football team. You look at Ohio State, you look at Notre Dame, you look at Texas, you look at all the Alabama, any school. And when you turn the TV on to watch those games, you'll see commercials come up. And they're not talking about Ohio State football or Texas football. They're talking about the business school. They're talking about agriculture. They're talking about all these other things of their institution that will impact enrollment. And for Tennessee State, they have great tradition in all of these areas. So my goal is to centralize their operations to uh, in a very safe and, and, and productive uh, and responsible way and to add my resources where there are deficiencies. And I truly believe, you know, with a winning product that all boats are going to rise with that. As Eddie takes on this new venture as a head football coach at Tennessee State, I think it needs to be noted that he's also taking on a lot of life experiences that he can share with these young men. Eddie is very candid about struggling with depression. It started early and it has been a struggle. It has been a battle. It has been a journey. And I appreciate him for being so naked, but more importantly, Can you imagine Eddie George, NFL great, sharing that story with other young black men? How safe does that feel? That's the word that I want to use. Knowing that you're not alone. It's a serious issue in the community. And I don't think we talk about it enough. Uh, It's always there. I think, I think, I think depression, frustration, anxiety is is something everyone has to manage. That, that doesn't go anywhere. I just lost my father two weeks ago, um, right, right in the middle of this, this, this moment of I'm going to be the head coach at Tennessee State. Of course, I'm like scared as shit because I'm like, I've never coached, you know, but I'm embracing that moment. And it's a lot of hype and people are excited. People are going crazy. And then I get a phone call that my father passed, you know, on a Monday night. And I'm like, damn. 
I knew was going to happen, but he was the very reason I played the game of football. You know what I'm saying? And five years old introduced me to that. And that part of me is gone. So processing through that has been, has been a gift in itself because my loss, my father in the physical was his gain because he's no longer in pain. He's found peace. So now I can take that as my game because now he's at peace. He's no longer struggling. He's no longer dealing with, with uh, his ailments, no longer dealing with cancer. I can find peace in that. So depression is always that buzzer, circling just like this, just waiting to find that crack to come in. And it's your job to protect your aura and to make sure that that, that buzzer can never come in. Eddie went there. When I want you guys to get naked, I mean like N-E-K-K-I-D. Naked. Naked. Eddie went there, and I appreciate it. You were very vulnerable, and you were talking about things a lot of people don't like to talk about. It's interesting because when you have a public persona, and I am guilty of this, when you have a public persona, you often find yourself saying the right things, and, and you are thinking, oh, I shouldn't say that. What's going to happen if I say that? Or if someone heard me be this way, what will happen? What will happen? I appreciate Eddie for just going there hardcore and not caring. Not only did he talk about struggling while in college and how uncomfortable he was, everyone knows about that because it was, you know, obviously you could watch it. But then he talked about his weakness and it started in college and that was women. And then when he got to the league, he was still battling that weakness because the ladies loved him. And then when he left the league, he battled depression and still does as many of us do, whether we confess it or not. And how does he help himself? He knows it's always there, it's always lingering, but he's trying to figure it out. Talks about losing his father, talks about still wanting to have a life as an actor, but in the meantime, in between time, he has this great opportunity to touch these young men, these black young men, and change their lives and take all of his life lessons and pour it back into them and into the community and put some attention on an HBCU. Listen, I'm here for it. I say that a lot. Man, listen, I am here for it. But as I talk about all the things Eddie was able to share with us, I often reflect back on what's in it for me in terms of what did I learn? And I asked the question, if I had a chance to work for BET or CNN, where would I go? Listen, my favorite word. I can't answer that honestly right now. I really can't. Which is why I applaud Eddie. And and he wasn't presented with the opportunity to to go work as the head, not to my knowledge, as the head coach at Ohio State University, right? But if he was, I don't know which way he would go. Again, it depends on where you are in your life and and what road you want to travel. But more importantly, the bigger message is he didn't say no. He took his name and all of his relationships with him to this HBCU to give back to our community. And I respect it. And I can applaud it and I agree with it and I can say I'd do the same. I'd put my name on the line for the, for the people in my program, 
for the girls and brown girls dream for the people I believe who need a fair shake and an opportunity that isn't often given to us because it's us. Woo, Eddie was naked. N-E-K-K-I-D. I'd like to leave you guys with this because I like to have some fun. I want to go back to the verses. It's a hard, hard turn here. SWV1. Kaboom! Guess who stepped in the room? Y'all remember that move when she kicked down the door. If you didn't go back and watch it, it's on YouTube versus YouTube SWV Escape. I'm not saying Escape wasn't amazing. Their presentation was amazing. Girls looked great. Outfits was jamming. Bodies was slamming. All of the things. I'm just an SWV girl. And I'll leave it there. Thank you for listening to this edition of Naked. In the pressure cooker of the NBA playoffs, there's no room to fake it. Every pass, shot, and dribble is immediately consequential. The playoffs are the time for the real. Real stakes, real emotions, real sweat, blood, and tears, real legacies. Which teams will rise from the chaos? Which teams will conquer? Which team is going to make this year their year? You already know when and where to find these moments of unscripted, pure entertainment. Don't miss one minute of the action. Tune into the NBA playoffs on ESPN and ABC. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.